Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Page, where we at Marvel vs. Marvel revisit the comic book histories of some of your favourite Marvel characters. If you're joining us for the first time, each and every episode of MVM is packed with this kind of history and trivia as we explore the Marvel movies and the comic books that inspired them. page um I'm, i think i'm sick of that now i think i'm not gonna do any more of the spooky voice um so there's there's, there's some interesting um backstory on on man thing and how he's conceived in the 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 1970s and 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 comes forward um it it, it there's there's kind of a i mean stan lee is kind of at the heart of this possibly right mm. so We've talked in the past about about, about Stanley when he's he's editor of Marvel Comics. His right hand man is is Roy Thomas, who would eventually replace Stan on writing pretty much everything that Stan was writing, and would eventually replace him as kind of the editor in chief as well. Yeah. Um, and Stanley had had come up with the name Man Thing, which he he'd previously used on another um, Marvel monster back in the in the in the sixties. Just had like a one off appearance. Um. And Stan uh, very much had the idea, and it's the, the the core concept for Man Thing and for Swamp Thing, is the idea of a man dying and losing sentience and becoming a monster. Okay. So Roy Thomas uh, said in an interview about this. Stanley called me into his office. It would have been late nineteen seventy or early seventy one. He had a couple of sentences or so for the concept of this new character. I think it was mainly the notion of a guy working on some experimental drug for the government, his being accosted by spies, getting fused with the shop, the, the swamp, swamp, he said, getting fused with the swamp, so that he becomes this creature. Mm. Um, so Stan Lee, the driving force there, Roy Thomas comes up with the, the 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 actual plot, the origin plot. And then in comes Jerry Conway. We've looked at Jerry Conway in the past. He's an influential writer on things like Spider-Man mm. um, and involved with The Punisher as well. Um, to, uh, Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway kind of came up with then this origin story with uh, Gray Morrow, the artist. Um, and then after they kind of did the initial story... A second story, the second appearance of Man Thing, was written by Len Wein and drawn by Neil Adams. Okay. That was written and, and drawn and prepared to go as the sequel, the second adventure of Man Thing, but the comic it was originally published in, Savage Tales, got cancelled. Oh. So it took like a year or two for it to get to print. Right. It took it would next be appear you know, be printed in nineteen seventy two. Len Wein, who writes the second story of Man Thing, is the creator of Swamp Thing. So Man Thing is introduced May nineteen seventy one. Okay. They 
then commissioned Len Wein to write the second, the sequel about the Man Thing. Right. And then a month after, <laughs> in a month after, yeah, July nineteen seventy one, Swamp Thing debuts, uh-huh. written by Len Wein. Oh well. So, yeah, um, that feels like a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Roy Thomas again spoke. Oh, FYI, Jerry Conway and Len Wein, yes, are roommates at the time. Ah, <laughs> living okay. like living in the same flat and working for rival companies, sort of. Oh God. So Roy Thomas interviewed about this particularly bizarre sequence of events. And he said, Jerry and I thought that unconsciously or not, the origin in Swamp Thing number one was too similar to the origin of Man Thing a year and a half earlier. Mm. There was vague talk a year and a half earlier. What's he talking about there? I'm not sure what he's talking about there. There was vague talk at the time around Marvel of legal action, but it was never really pursued. I don't know if any letters ever changed hands between Marvel and DC, legal letters he means. We weren't happy with the situation over the Swamp Thing number one origin. We figured it an accident. Okay. Let, to just to just take you, what we've talked about is the origin of man of, of man thing. Yeah. He's a scientist working on a serum for the government, attacked by spies, and the serum fuses him with the swamp when he gets into a life or death disaster. Yeah. That's the exact origin of swamp thing. Yeah. And man thing. And man thing. There's I'm literally no it's difference. The exact, it, it, there's no difference. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's not just a case of their swamp monsters with Thing. Mm. It's the whole origin of a scientist preparing a serum, spies, takes the serum, fused with the Thing. It's exactly the same. And Len Wein knew this <laughs> and lived lived with the guy that came with the one who was commissioned to write the second story. And He was playing both sides. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing. Um Jerry was rooming with Len at the time, Roy Thomas says, uh, and we tried to talk to him. He tried to talk him into changing the Swamp Thing origin, mm. but Len didn't see the similarities. Um, it goes a bit further than this, though, because you know no legal action was taken, which is really, really bizarre, really strange. Mm. But perhaps an explanation for this is that both Swamp Monsters really closely resemble another comic book swamp monster that made his first appearance in 1942. Hillman Periodicals, Mm. the 1940s, had uh, a a series called Air Fighter Comics. And in issue three, (laughs) we were introduced to The Heap. (laughs) So... Uh, Baron Eric von Emmelmann, a World War One German flying ace, yeah. who was shot down in 1918 over a Polish swamp, Ooh. and he dies slowly. And through the decades, his body decayed, but his mind, his spirit, his consciousness, his will to live on was so strong. <laughs> he intermingled with the vegetation in the swamp around him, becoming one with the swamp marshland until. You know, it eventually arose from the muck during the early years of World War Two as this swamp monster known as the Heap. Swamp Mensch. <sighs> Boo. <laughs> very similar concepts. Yeah. Very similar looks. The Heap even has that weird tendril nose, just like Man Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, almost Cthulhu esque. 
well, yeah. Although I'd have to, we'd have to then have an explanation of when the first depiction of Cthulhu was drawn to look like the one we know today. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I don't. I think Man Thing certainly has Cthulhu inspiration and looks very much like that. Especially the seventies, there was a big rise in some of horror literature again yeah i don't think the heap does and i don't really think swamp thing swamp does. thing always remember had that nose he always had the nose like the the, 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 the flat wide the flat thing, yeah. wide nostrils i remember that very well so in the 1980s um when alan moore got his hands on swamp thing and and, and drastically changed the whole character the whole backstory mm. he, he he actually made swamp thing a bit more like man thing okay um in that Swamp Thing has always been um, a scientist who's been who, who this terrible accident happens to him, and he dies, and he kind of comes back as is this veg this this kind of swamp muck creature, mm. but he he is very much who he was before, yeah. and he's like I am cursed to live this horrible life. My wife will no longer love me, and blow that kind of stuff. Mm. Alan Moore changed that very much, and he was no longer, you know, he abandoned all his humanity. Wow! Um, and the Swamp Thing, you know, was a brand new kind of life form. Um, and Man Thing is very much like has no humanity to him. No, he's a, he's a monster. Rough, roughly, mm. I'm talking about in the in, in the comics. Oh, yeah, sorry. He, he's he's very he's not. He's not a, a character that has the mind of a man in the body mm. of a monster. That was not what Stanley envisioned for this whatsoever. Um, the loss of sentience, the loss of 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 agency, almost. Yeah. Um, but during Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run, Swamp Thing discovers that he is actually one in a long line of of living vegetation creatures all over the world and down throughout history brought about by magic or, or accident when men are kind of fused with you know uh, plant life and in this sequence he sees images of all the other kind of swamp well they call them they're, they're kind of plant gods or swamp like creatures across the world and down the ages and one of the images drawn in that panel is man thing's distinctive face uh-huh. which was a nice little nod yeah, and and, yeah. And, a, and a way of kind of crossing things over. So um, once Swamp Thing is kind of Man Thing is reintroduced, we had this cancellation. He kind of comes back. He gets a a, a um, not a full comic. He gets um, he gets like half a comic, half a comic, and a, a horror themed anthology series called Adventure Into Fear. Mm. It would have ten pages of Man Thing, and then one or two backup stories or other horror themed stories in the back uh-huh. it might be another 10 page story or it was probably a five page and another five page story um and but 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 man thing kind of got always got the front cover uh, and it was journey it was adventure interfere with the man thing um steve gerber who you'll remember from our howard the duck episode mm. um who was the incredibly Visionary writer behind Howard the Duck. Yeah, Steve Gerber would become Man Thing's signature writer very, very quickly. Um, and once he took over, the quality of writing uh, about on on Man Thing went up. The popularity increased. So they ditched the the idea of having two other 
you know, short five-page stories in the back, and they extended Man-Thing because Steve Gerber's writing was so good and it was getting so popular. Great, now Man-Thing, the whole comic is Man-Thing um, from beginning to end. Okay. Um, instead of mate, having these shorter stories knocking mm. around. Um, and Steve Gerber introduced all his... We talked in the How the Duck episode... He, he he did loads of satire, yeah. um, and he had lots of social commentary. Man Thing is the the quintessential Bronze Age character to me. What Bronze Age? Describe Bronze Age. If you remember from, we kind of touched on it in our Superman um, episode. We have the Golden Age, yeah. um, which generally goes up to the to the to the Second World War, mm. and then we have the Silver Age, which is where Marvel starts in the nineteen fifties and sixties on mm. through. Um, and and then we have the Bronze Age, which is kind of end of the sixties, start of the seventies, and it's typified by two things really: um, the emergence of stories that have more sophistication and, and deal with some level of social commentary. Yeah. Um. So we have Harry Osborn in Spider Man becoming a drug addict. Yes. Yeah. We have um, the Green Arrow sidekick, Speedy, becoming a drug addict. Mm. We have Green Lantern and Green Arrow going on this like um, easy rider tour around America to discover the true heart of America and finding that their powers and their crime fighting does nothing to touch poverty, racism, injustice in, in, in certain ways. Um, those kind of social issues. Mm. You can generally point to the death of Gwen Stacy as being like the end of the Silver Age, where things are a bit more um, idyllic. You know, the, the the kind of the the, the wave of the the JFK, the Kennedy royal yes. family, and all of that is kind yeah. of really really worn off. Gwen Stacy's death is a hallmark of it. But the Bronze Age is also typified by the return of horror to comics oh yes if you go back and listen to one of our earliest episodes blade we have a, a whole sequence you know our archives are there for a reason guys we have we have a, a real explanation and dive into horror comics mm. which were kind of almost outlawed and banned um in in the 50s and 60s did i mention and my big book big book of horror comics yeah you did yeah those were readily available from the works and stuff for a long long time yeah i, I need to um, read through that again some of it was absolutely brilliant some of it's just frightening as hell yeah, by the time we get to the late sixties, early seventies, the, the start of the Bronze Age, those kind of um, conditions and rules about horror comics, thanks to the popularity of of um, horror characters in the movies, mm. like Hammer, Hammer Horror was quite a big you know proponent of this. It, it, it quelled, and and Marvel and DC were able to use horror comics and horror themed characters again. Obviously, you can't show an actual decapitation, mm-hmm. someone being ripped apart, or do anything that's too scary. Yeah. But Marvel can um, have a Dracula comic. Yeah. They can they can create Blade. We suddenly then, if you think about what we get in the seventies, we get um, Dracula, we get Blade, we get Ghost Rider, who's a demon, mm. we get the Son of Satan getting his own comic, <laughs> um, and we get things like Man Thing. A Man Thing, for me encapsulates both those elements of the Bronze Age because when Steve Gerber comes along, not only is it a horror comic, a monster horror comic, but suddenly Steve Gerber puts all this social commentary about 
generally, I mean, environmentalism a little bit, but also racism mm. and uh, inequality and injustice and things. So Man Thing really typifies both. I mean, it typifies the the Bronze Age really. Yeah. His solo comic, you know, ran from uh, not very long, twenty two issues. Um, so so Adventure of Fear goes so well. That they they give Steve Gerber and Man Thing his own series. I, I skipped over that for some reason, and <laughs> and that was great. And that was great. And that introduces an element of magic and mystic stuff to to the um, to the origin of Man Thing. Um, but that didn't last very long. It, it gets cancelled in nineteen seventy five. Um, but before it did, like this is the popularity of of Man Thing. Briefly, like kind of like How the Duck. How the Duck was so hugely popular. For a brief shining period of time, which we talked about, and of course, how the duck debuted in oh, if, in Man Thing. In Man, how the, how, he, Man what, Thing is the is the you know Man Thing features the first appearance and stories of how the duck. Seriously, yeah, yeah, we talked about that and how the duck episode. Steve Gerber, the oh, writer of Man God, Thing, sorry, how sorry, the duck, man. and then spun off um, during the mid seventies. Yeah. Marvel did this thing where they would produce uh, four times a year, they produce a quarterly larger version of a popular series. Mm. They would call it the giant size. So you get a giant size X Men, (laughs) right? A giant size Spider Man. That just sounds like a food. They did the same. Spider Man, please. Do you want a giant size for an extra 50p? They did the same with the character we're talking about today, Will. A giant-sized man thing. Boom! <laughs> this giant-sized man thing sounds rude. You're quite correct, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it has become a long-running joke in the comic book community yeah. for many, many years. Giant-sized man thing. Giant-sized man thing was a, a, a comic that Marvel... Uh, was kind of more of a magazine, really. Yeah. Um, that, that featured the... Reprints of black and white reprints of sixties and fifties horror kind of uh, monster comics with How the Duck in there as well. Mm. Um, after a while, Man Thing is cancelled. You know, well, that, well, sorry, after he's cancelled uh, in, in seventy five, I mean, he becomes more of like this great background character in the Marvel universe, yeah. and he does get. Mm. Uh, they they try again with another series, and it doesn't last very long, like twelve issues that time, mm. and and he gets some limited series along the way. But it becomes, if you remember from our Nick Fury episode, and listen, guys, there's a reason the weird, wild, and wacky episodes are all connected. Yeah, um, which they are: How the Duck, Man Thing, uh, Nick Fury. Nick, Nick Fury, as I said, he, they had some stabs and some great stabs at him being a a a, a main character, a protagonist in a story, in a, in a, in, a, in a comic book series. But then it doesn't progress, and for the the majority of Nick Fury's existence he's this awesome background character that adds incredible shading to the marvel universe mm. that can be brought in whenever the avengers you know need to be told the government isn't happy with you or when the mutant problem gets so big the government get involved well here comes nick fury and the helicarrier or when you want to do a big spy story man thing becomes kind of a bit similar really he, he he's um he's a big part of the marvel world mm. used very sparingly yeah but not a character that, that has his own comic really for any significant period of time. He appears in other stories and he's a, he's a guest appears and stuff. Uh, not a protagonist or an antagonist, but he's used an awful lot. Whenever there's like a, a story with a mystical bent or a monster or whatever, um, 
man thing you know crops up an awful lot around characters like Doctor Strange and and the other monsters as well um including the legion of monsters which we will get to as we go through um but but yeah he 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 is never one to be spun off into a cartoon series or or get really an action figure line or or anything like that really none of the monster themed characters did um, and this is really the, the this movie is his first first time that he's venturing out of the swamp. Thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favourite moments from Marvel vs Marvel. Don't forget our full length episodes are jam packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind the page, behind the scenes, and comic book Marvel history. Marvel.